0: Today on the show, we strike a deal. We put on our wigs, look at some artifacts, and set down on a path to rob an empire. Welcome to Lore Party, the podcast that explores the stories, characters, and themes behind some of our favorite universes. I'm Jaden. And I'm Kevin. And I will accept no less than 50,000 credits for hosting this podcast.
1: Yeah, uh, what, about, what about this crystal? I think it's, uh, it's worth more to me than you'd think, but like, you know, what about that? Can I barter?
0: Fine, but only for three days.
1: All right, fine.
0: And my name is now Clem.
1: There you go. Yeah, we're changing names. <laughs> we're doing everything. Absolutely. So, welcome to episode four. Um, I'm going to already just say right away, this is going to be a longer episode. The episode itself was longer, so prepare yes. yourself. Hang out, get some
0: food. But first, let's do a little housekeeping. We would love to hear from our listeners, so please email us at podcast at with your thoughts and questions. You might just see them appear in a future episode. Wouldn't that be fun?
1: Yeah, we're still getting them. Like I said in the last episode, email us. We're getting them. We love them. We read them.
0: And if you'd like to reach out to Kevin directly, you can reach him at InTheLoop. That's I-N underscore the underscore L-U-P-E on Twitter and K underscore loops, Twitch and Instagram.
1: That's right, folks. Come on by. Say hello. But don't forget, you gotta say hello to Jaden too. That's at Mr Jad M R J A D J A Y, on Instagram and Twitter for all
0: your fun Star Wars quips. And of course, you can connect with the Lore Party team on Instagram, Twitter, and Twitch at Lore underscore Party. I feel like we do this so much, it just it just gets fun to
1: like do it differently every time.
0: I, I feel like they're just gonna start using the same intro every single time, just to save time. <laughs> They're going to get tired of our rantings.
1: No, I won't allow it. I will edit
0: every episode. No. <laughs> oh, you heard it. It's a, it's a cut and print. I don't have to do any more work.
1: There you go. There you go. <laughs> so, like you all already know, what we're going to do is going to go over that little brief synopsis of the episode, sprinkle in some lore, some fun, comment on some stuff, and then we're going to get real into it and we're going to talk about what happened and our thoughts and everything that we, uh, we were going through. Basically, when we were texting each other about this episode, too, uh, we have yep. a lot of thoughts here. I remember you, you sent me, uh, what was it, that, that TikTok about a certain uh, star killer, right?
0: Yes, yes, and we'll get to that. Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I have more info for you on that.
1: Uh-huh. I, I, I definitely want to know because I knew you were bugging out in that room when you saw that room. You were probably absolutely. like, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, you were seeing everything. So, this is episode four. If you haven't watched the mini-movie three-part episodes uh, that that came out earlier last week, uh, go watch that, listen to our episodes, and then uh, jump in this one. We're going to get on a really interesting journey here, and I think this episode is the beginning, the true beginning of the show. Absolutely.
0: Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Alright, the episode starts off with Luthien and Cassian, or Luthien and Cassian, excuse me. They're on his giant ship, which uh, I think in a previous episode I said it was a Kuwati ship. I was wrong, it's a Fondorian ship. I got my Imperial shipyards mixed up in my mind.
1: Oh, man, you mean you mean all that Star Wars lore in your brain? You made a mistake? I'm so sorry.
0: It, it gets confusing sometimes, uh, much like the Imperial records on where the Executor was created, because both Fondor and Kuat both claim to have built the ship in their shipyards, when in fact, it was actually just Kuat. Fondor built the Lusankia, which was buried on Coruscant.
1: A lot of words.
0: A lot of words. Anyways, uh, Luthan... Uh, he's telling Cassian, you know, hey, get a med pack for your arm. And then he's trying to see if they're being followed. And he directs his ship's AI to go to Aldani, and they jump to hyperspace.
1: And while this happens, Cassian starts kind of, he has a lot of questions. He asks, you know, what's powering this ship? Because it's easily able to go to hyperspace as well as, like, it was super fast and did all these crazy maneuvers. Cassian's like, I've flown this kind of ship before. This is different what's going on here? What's
0: Aldani? Who are you, really? Like, what's happening here? Luther doesn't really even answer that. He's just like, hey, so what's your plan?
1: Yeah, he just, like, straight up ignores him. He's like, yeah, so he's anyway. Like, whatever.
0: Which, that's it's his whole character. is like, it, it, He doesn't have time. He doesn't have time to deal with Cassian's bullshit. He's like, I'm on me. This is, I'm on my time right now. I got to get, get where I got to go, so you shut up.
1: Oh, no. Oh, no. That sounds like a, I don't have time to explain why I don't have time to
0: explain. Yeah, pretty much. He's like, hey, you know what, uh, I will drop you off, Cassian, I will drop you off anywhere you want to go, or you can join me, or you can kill me.
1: I, I vote kill him, take the badass ship.
0: Right, but I don't, it's funny because I don't think that droid that would let him, and it was so funny because, like, Luthan just the whole time is just very serious, like, I don't have time for you to, like, argue with me or ask questions, just, like, those are your options. And Cassian's like, what the fuck are you? Like, who are mm-hmm. you with? Like, why, why does death not phase you? Yeah, yeah. You know, he rouses, like, 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 which resist, you know, like he names a bunch of different, like, rebel cells, like Saw Gerrera, gets thrown out the partisans. And, and Luther's just like, yeah, you tell me, man. I don't know.
1: <laughs> He's like, yeah, uh huh, whatever. They're all the same.
0: And Cassian, he, you know, he says, hey, you know what, man, you don't know me. And he talks about how he used to uh, fight on Mimbin when he was 16. Out of prison, right into the battle, he says. And then Luthan's like, no, actually, that's not how it happened. You were a cook originally. <laughs>
1: yeah, and he calls him out on like all the inaccuracies of his explanation of his story, and- it's really interesting to see Cassian be like, holy shit, you know, like, you really know who I am. You know who like, I it, am. That's the thing, he's like, you don't know me, and then it's like, I, I, you, you know me, like, a lot. Like, what's up? You did your Tinder research.
0: I don't know. What's going yeah. on? <laughs> well, and that brings uh, into question that line where he has in Rogue One, like, I was, I've been in this fight since I was six years old, like, is that just part of his nature to lie about his origins, possibly? because." He definitely looks older in those flashbacks that we saw him in in episode three.
1: There is definitely a lot of uh, the theme. I'll talk about it later, but the theme of deception and secrets is, I think, you, you, you're you just going to see it a lot. That's all I'll say. You, you'll yep. see it a lot, and I'll get into it at the end of the episode like later on. I have a lot of thoughts on this, but you're going to see a lot of that. So after this, Luthan says, you know, he knows the outside he knows what people tell him when they ask and he says he can just imagine the rest and he imagines the hate uh, Cassian has for the Empire and admits you know he came for Cassian he didn't come for that unit he really he then admits it he's like nah man I came here for you yeah right off the bat he then offers Cassian a job and he's like I'll pay you 200,000 credits for stealing the quarterly payroll of an entire imperial sector how's that sound
0: yeah, I, uh, I think he even says, like, don't you want to hurt these bastards for real? And I was like, ooh. Yeah. He says it I again, basically.
1: He's like, yo, come on, man. Don't you want to fuck these guys up?
0: You want, yeah, it's like, like, let's hit them where it hurts their wallets. And I was like, oh, I like that idea. So while this is happening, we actually cut over to uh, Coruscant, and we see the infamous Imperial Security Bureau, which I'm so happy the ISB is back in canon, because they were always a fun... Like, shadow evil organization within an evil organization. A group of officers, they're discussing uh, security funds as well as moving around personnel. I want to make sure I say this right. Major Partagaz. Yep. Yes. Okay, great. Uh, played by Anton Lesser from Game of Thrones, is going over the reports, calling out his office, op- <laughs> which that's Kyburn, that's by the way. Have everybody yes. Yes. seen Game of Thrones? And he's, he's, it's so funny. He's just like, like his, he's just yelling at his officers. Like, they'll be like, Oh yes, uh, uh, uh reports of sabotage are down 4% in my sector and he's like, "Why only 4% you idiot? You're supposed to do 8." And he's like, "Uh uh, uh it's like, cuz you're stupid, right?" He's like, "No." <laughs> yeah, you <laughs> he's are. He's just
1: calling everybody out on all of their like insufferable failures. Yeah.
0: Like he I th- I think really what it is is this guy seems like a he probably was a holdout from the republic. So yeah. like he's probably used to an era where like the officers were supposed to, like, you know, work together to help each other, whereas, like, he just sees all this backstabbing bullshit from all these officers, and he's just calling them out, on it, like, don't sugarcoat me. Tell me the real issue you have in your section.
1: He's very by the book, but also, I think, uh, he's, he's curt and stern, and, like you said, no bullshit. He really just is like, come on, out with it already. Let's go. Yep,
0: he goes around, and he asks. Finally, he, so he gets fed up. He's like, all right, you know what? What's the purpose of the Imperial Security Bureau? The only person who's used to answer is Lieutenant Deidre Miro. And you pointed out that uh, this is the voice of Yennefer in The Witcher. Hey, what's up, Babo? I uh, figured you might like that one. This is a tie-in for The uh, Witcher podcast. Yeah, so if you
1: guys, uh, if you like The Witcher, you should go listen to Wind's Howling. Ah, see, we did it. All right. On Apple Podcasts and Spotify, wherever you find your podcasts. That counts as our
0: ad read. There you go. <laughs> she gives the typical, like, by-the-book response. He's like, you know what? No. Yeah. You, you stop. You're you no, you're done. I, it's not what I'm looking for. I don't want the buyer the book response. I want I want the real response.
1: And what's really funny is he gives this like great response. I, I, I wrote it in our quote section. So we'll say the quote. So we'll get to it. it. It's funny. He says, at least in the beginning of the quote, he says the security part of what they do is just bullshit. Basically, he, he calls themselves, like, you know, he's like, nah, the security stuff, like, that's like TSA bullshit. He's like, no, we're not, we're not, that's not what we are. Um And then he ends up, like, talking to another officer and calls him out. It's the guy who I believe had spoken earlier, and he's like, that's what we really do. Is that right, so-and-so? And the guy just looks at him, he's like, yeah. And then he's like, great, you're going to be reassigned. <laughs> and, like, just gets the guy out of <laughs> you're there. You're fired. So he ends up... uh going over what happened in the last episode now with Lieutenant Supervisor Brevin and about like what happened in the last episode with that fight and everything. He he basically gets all that intel uh, and they find out that the box was then recovered. So like I said, huzzah, that box was going to come into some type of storytelling. I knew it. And Miro uh, she quickly looks concerned as soon as this happens, and starts kind of messing with her console. Concerned and, and also out.
0: kind of excited. Yeah, she
1: seemed excited. Uh, but I I don't know. I, I feel like she was like, oh shit, this is bigger than I th- like. Like I feel like she's like, this is my next big break or something. I don't know. I have a feeling there's there's something going on there.
0: Now back on Aldani, Cassian is now he's clean shaven so he doesn't look like himself. You know, he, he looks more like the older photo, but, like, he kind of trimmed his face up a lot more. Yeah. And Luthan's like, all right, come up with a new name. And he's like, Clem. He's like, all right, you're Clem for the next three days. <laughs> what a fucking name. Yeah. Right as this happens, a woman starts approaching the ship, and Luthan explains, like, he's like, hey, I'm going to go talk to her. The boss is not going to be happy. And is like, wait a minute, I thought you were the boss. And he's like, I never said I was the boss. You're going to work for her. And he's like, what do you mean? Like, what, what, what incentive do I have to, to work for her? And he goes, how about this? He's like, consider it a down payment. And he pulls out uh, a necklace. And he says, it's a Kuate signet with a kyber crystal. Ooh. <laughs> Coming back around, which I, I now know the Luthan is a Jedi theories are flying all across the internet. You know, he says, it's collateral and not to take less than 50000 for it. But it is worth way more to him, and he wants it back when this whole thing is all over.
1: So the woman who approaches the ship is known as Vel, and she is played by another Game of Thrones actor, Faye Marseille, who plays the Waif. Uh, there are a lot of Game of Thrones people in this, which is great. That's also kind of a themey thing here. Uh, she walks over and discusses the whole Clem situation with Luthen. She's not happy about it, just like Luthen knew. Uh, that's a whole other thing, too. She does almost everything Luthen says that she would do. Cassian's on the ship, and he's definitely thinking about stealing it, which I thought was really funny. The AI nope. of the ship turns and ju- turns its little like eyeball thing and just stares at him. Is like, "Can I help you?" And he's like, "Uh,
0: yeah. uh nothing. No, thank you. No,
1: thank you." So Luthen is struggling a bit to convince Vel of Clem's importance, and. She says, you know, they only have three days to do the job. It's a little too late in this situation. And he says he's paying Clem, which is a big deal to her. She's like, hold the fuck up. You're not paying anybody here. Now I have a mercenary on our team, apparently. Wait a minute. Yep. And she's just, she's just not happy about it. And he says failure just would be a devastating uh, thing for them and that they have to be successful. And he ends up yelling at her. Uh, is like, you're the leader, be the leader. And I, it kind of feels like it's more like he's offering her leadership in this situation as like mm-hmm. a test or something. He he kind of is in charge and is giving her that opportunity to be a leader. And so, because she like folds. She literally, she just folds.
0: This felt very much like a mentor-mentee situation. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, like, yeah. He's like, God damn it, this is your, like, I can't be here, you have to do this. It can't yep. be me.
1: Yep. And he says, he tells her, you can either take Clem, like you could take him, or I'm shutting this whole thing down. Yep. And so clearly he's funding this operation, obviously. And he says the odds of this job have improved since they met. And now they just went up because of Clem, tremendously. So he tells her to be the leader, handle the situation, and don't worry. If, if you can't trust Clem, Clem is disposable. That's why I'm paying him. And then he says, Clem, come on out. And Clem walks out.
0: Yep. I I think this big thing too is that he kept saying like the reason that he's disposable is because he's not even a primary part of the mission. He is the backup. He is a redundancy. He's just good enough to do every little bit of the mission, but not to do the whole mission himself. It's so fucking cool. He's got like all these skills, like he's cool. I this Clem guy sounds great. Yep. Now meanwhile, we're gonna get to I probably your favorite part of the episode. Absolutely. You know it. The Empire is now all over the security center, and they are taking over Karn's office. They are throwing everything out. Their Imperial troops are walking through, cleaning up. And Brevin is telling Karn and Chief Hine, you can say this part, by the way.
1: He's also played by Rupert Vensittart, who played Jan Royce in Game of Thrones. Guys, the Veil. come on. Like, this Game of Thrones, it's everywhere. It's infiltrating really, everything,
0: everything. Really? Everything. Is- and Sergeant Mosk, uh, he tells him like, "You are done." <laughs> you, I, I, they, they say he says something like, uh, "You are the, the death of private security in the Empire." Basically,
1: yeah, yeah.
0: Which I was like, "That's kind of surprising, considering only three guys died." I feel like that was not well,
1: three officers and one civilian, so there are four. But again, that civilian, I don't know. I... Does that count? Tim, does that
0: does Tim count
1: as a person? I don't
0: know. I mean, I'm very surprised of a of an imperial officer caring about the death of any civilian whatsoever uh-huh, to be honest there you go my favorite part is that the supervisor doesn't even understand why he's being punished he's like well he what, what? Said, why am i in trouble he, like I, I said no i said not to do this <laughs> yeah and and the guys the guys just like yeah but you let him do this it's like you, you are this this whole thing reeks of incompetence
1: and mosk just raises his hand to ask a question and he turns he's like seriously really really like, right now no
0: yeah like you're fucking moron shut up you bunch of incompetence. And he even walks up to the car and he's just like, so are you proud? Are you proud? You're the reason that the Morlana system will no longer be independent. It is back under permanent imperial authority. Like this thing mm-hmm. is you you have you have doomed this corporate system. Yeah. Congratulations.
1: Yep. One little fuck up by this guy has complete corporate independencies gone. So back on Al Aldani, Clem is asking, you know, who the hell Luthen is. And Vel is like, we do not discuss Luthen. Uh, no, do not talk about him. If you do, when we get to camp, if you say anything, we're going to have a bad time. You are going to pretend that this is all part of the plan. This is all part of the plan to rob the armory. Clem is now pissed. Uh, Clem is very confused. I'm going to keep saying Clem because it's a hilarious name. Clem is like, wait a minute, an armory? What? That's not supposed to be the plan. He didn't say, and Vel's like, who? Who are you talking about now? And Clem's like, I'm going to have to learn.
0: Yeah. More specifically, they say there's a, there's a garrison at the armory. Yeah. Which is why he's like, whoa.
1: They end up mentioning later on that it's 40 people. I don't think that's, that's, that's really not that much. Uh,
0: it is when you consider that they're stormtroopers. True, true. She says that there
1: are seven of them on the team now, which is like, whoa, that's a small team. And then all of a sudden, a TIE fighter shows up, and it is so terrifying because it's loud as all hell. My basement was shaking. It was <laughs> insanely loud. Uh, TIE fighters, they, they go by, and these two have to run and hide. And they just, they just hide, and they wait for the TIE fighters to go away.
0: So while this is happening, uh, Miro is actually going over the report from Carn's uh, little fiasco, and- <laughs> They misspelled Ferrex, Like, that's how fucking pathetic these guys are. She says the unit Cassian was uh, holding was from her sector. So, like, the box was from her group. And she's like, hey, you know what? That means I could be involved in this case. This is great.
1: Technically, by her standards of understanding the book, she is entitled to jurisdiction and tells her officer below her to go talk to Brevin and be like, yo... We're taking over the investigation.
0: Well, what I love about that sequence is that she tells him, like, hey, go get permission. And he goes, well, why don't you go get it? And she goes, because if I go get it, he'll know it's important. They're playing the stupid Imperial game. A normal organization would just be like, oh, hey, look, here's here's this stuff. But, like, any attempt to cooperate with one another is seen as a challenge to, like, authority and power. Yep. So after this... I
1: actually will say this might be my favorite scene. Uh, Maybe this one or the next one that I talk about. Luthen has returned to Coruscant and opens up a hidden door in his ship. This area is all clean and nice, clearly not used very much uh, compared to the dirty, more metallic-looking side of the ship. All of a sudden, this rack comes down and a mirror shows up. And Luthen just stares at the mirror Puts on all these rings and this new outfit and a wig. He's standing there and he is all serious and then smiles and leans back and looks all very artisan-y like ha ha ha, rich guy kind of thing.
0: Yeah, his whole demeanor changes. Like Christopher Reeves when he goes from Superman to Clark Kent, it's like yeah, this is this is this is the the mask that he is wearing.
1: Yeah, the body language completely changed, and and he's in disguise. And I saw this, or rather, this is how everyone sees him. Kind of like how he said to Cassie, you know, the earlier, the uh, I, I get the surface-level stuff when people ask me, you know, if I ask questions or something like that. I get that surface-level information, and then I imagine the rest. This is his surface-level disguise. And then we go back to Aldani with Vel, and Vel's explaining the history of the planet to Clem, and what they're kind of... Uh, I would say disguise is they are these like nature hippie people that that that's that's what if an imperial person comes up that's what they are because the imperials moved everybody super super south and he's like well we're here there's not supposed to be anybody here and she's like actually this is what our you know uh disguise name of what what we are pretending to be this is what we are and she explains that the planet is a perfect hub for distribution if one were trying to take over the galaxy, which I thought, ooh, so this is a very important planet. Yep,
0: but deceptively important. It's not like a exactly. Coruscant or Kuat or Fondor. This is a logistics hub.
1: Yeah, it's like in the middle of nowhere. Where she said something like, "It's like too far away from everything to be important, but also too close to not be important, or something." It's all along the lines of that.
0: So, meanwhile, we cut back to Coruscant and Miro. She actually goes to Blevins and argues, you know, he's like, hey, why did you deny my jurisdiction? Like, why did you deny my access to this case? And he says, uh, she's only been here for one year and she needs to check herself. He says, you will fall and you will fall alone. It's like, oh, they're, they're, they are getting into it.
1: It was pretty much like a uh, check yourself before you wreck yourself.
0: Yeah, like, like, careful, careful. I'm in charge here. We cut back to Vel and Clem and they're coming up to the campsite where the group is located which we now get to meet, like, the rest of the, the heist crew. So uh, forgive me if I say these names wrong. Uh, the boy who was supposed to be on watch, he falls asleep, and all of a sudden a blaster is shoved in his face. And we hear Arvel Skeen, played by Ibn Moss Bakharak. Did I say it?
1: Yeah, he's from uh, the new TV show that came out, The Bear. He's not going to make me a sub. That's all I'll say with that. <laughs> Anybody who watches The Bear, no, he will not make you a sub in this, in this show.
0: He's also a bad guy in the last ship, but no one saw that Joe. So, uh, he he puts the gun in the kid's face and he goes, "Everyone's dead." He's like, "What?" He's like, "He's like, hey, you know, uh, Saw Guerrero, He would fucking kill you if he caught you asleep." And the the mood we get as they come as uh, Clem and Vel come into camp is that they are not happy that there is a new person on the team so late. And Vels just like, get over it. This was always the plan. I just never told you guys about it.
1: Yeah, I think that, that this, you know, her being upset and then these guys being upset, there's a, there's a theme there. Everybody ends up being upset. It's kind of yep. obvious. She's like, nobody's happy. Shut up. Yeah. So then we go to Karn. This is also one of my favorite sequences. Karn is seen walking through a spaceport, mega depressed. Just a straight upset face. And then he's just, we get this great montage of him going through a city and everything's all flashy and nice. And then all of a sudden, eventually it just kind of starts looking the same. Like all the buildings just look the same. Everything just kind of looks like just, uh, you know, uh, kind of like an, or, like, if you want to talk about order, right? Like everything starts looking the same and, and there's no diversity of buildings. There's no diversity of, of architecture, anything like that. And so he is in a, an elevator, and he's just standing there looking out, looking depressed. And then he, like, gets off the elevator. I actually thought he left his bags in the elevator because he, like, leans down. I thought he was just holding them in the elevator. <laughs> um, and then I was like, oh, my God, he blew! he's going to pull up the elevator. I was, like, freaking out. And then he just walks off with them. And I'm like, okay. And he walks out, and he walks up to a door. And a woman will opens the door, stares at him, and he just goes, mother and boom, smacks him right in the face and then gives him a hug and is like, come on in. And the, like the, the neighbor in the back, she's like, what are you looking at? And I, I was like, oh, okay. The, right, the parallels okay.
0: between his mother and uh, Mira are very interesting.
1: So after this little short sequence, we don't see Karn for the rest of the episode. Back on Aldani, Clem is now being attended to for his blaster injury on his arm. Vel is talking with the group, telling them that, you know, she trusts him with their lives and her life. Because that's the big thing. They were like, I don't know. Do we trust him? Do you trust him? And finally, she's like, that's for me to say, you know, you don't have to worry about that, you know. And, And they're like, no, we need to worry about that. And so she's like, yes, I trust him.
0: I trust him with my life. Which is a very big deal considering they don't know him, but they know her. All right. So while this is happening, we cut back to Coruscant and we see a very fancy vehicle fly up to a very fancy shop. We find out that it's actually Luthen's shop. And he's being informed by his assistant Clea that Senator Mon Mothma has just arrived with a new driver. And this is when we get to see a, a Luthen in a completely different attitude than we've seen him throughout the series. He comes up to her very jovial and very happy to see her. Your typical merchant who glad hands with like the stars of the elites on Coruscant. You know, Senator, welcome, please come. Look at my wares. How are you today? Even his register, his
1: voice's register, is higher.
0: Yes. much more disarming and like, uh, yeah, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, welcoming. He says, "I hear you're trying to get a gift for your husband." And she's like, "Why, well, yes, I am. You're very, you know, very good. Uh, I'm looking." And he goes, "Well, I remember he has a taste for, uh, for military history. He takes her over to a specific little part of the shop, but in the background we see a couple of little artifacts that people jumped out at. The big one that for me was, uh, you called it earlier the Starkiller helmet, which, yes, it is, but it is actually a Sith Assassin helmet. Yep. Which is what Starkiller wore when he turned to the dark side in the alternate ending for the Force Unleashed video games, which I was like, ooh, at the very least, the cool-ass helmet is canon again. Mm Mm-hmm. And there were some other things too, like Beskar. There was actually some artifacts from uh, the the it's like the the portal beyond the worlds. You you see it in the finale of Rebels. I'm saying it wrong. i I know I'll kick myself later for saying it wrong. But there's just mm-hmm. a lot of cool stuff. Long story short, Clea she goes over to the driver's like, hey, do you want to see some coins? Want to see some mm-hmm. ancient coins? He's like, oh yeah, sure. Uh, why not, pretty girl? I'll I'll look at some artifacts with you. And then Luthen, like, expertly at the same time brings Von Mothman to the back of the shop, and then he immediately drops his, like, happiness. Like, he's just like, he's like, oh, yes, we're getting, a- where the fuck's my money? Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, okay, I'm trying. I'm trying to get it. Like, listen, it's difficult. Yeah. She's immediately like, immediately, literally, he was just immediately like, where the fuck is my money?
1: If you saw a meme where somebody was smiling and then just gets super serious, that's that's what Oh,
0: happens. yeah. The, the Far Cry 6 meme. And she's like, come on, I'm being, I'm being watched. Look, they swapped out my driver. And he doesn't even get, he's like, don't give me that. We're all being watched. Everybody's being watched. Like, come on, there's a new spy every day. She's like, no, it's different now. There's a new spy in the Senate. He's like, okay, listen, I, I found someone to bring into the circle. And Luthan's like, we need money, not another person to worry about. And she's like, hey, listen, I get it. I am the most vulnerable out of everyone. I'm the first one who's going to get caught. And then as she says that, like, they walk out, she immediately walks back to the shop and he's like, oh, please, let, let, let me know if your husband likes this product. And it was, and the, the, the wording they used after was so good. And I'm sure, we, I'm sure it's in the quotes. I trust, uh, I trust your, your judgment in this matter. Yep. And it was like, oh.
1: Now, back on Aldani, a man on a speeder shows up and he's in imperial garb. And obviously he's working with them. His name is Lieutenant Gorn. He's part of the team and already furious. He's screaming and yelling. Clem comes out and Gorn looks at him and says, you know, you're just basically another person that I have to worry about. Clem walks away and Vel then asks like, yo, what's up with the TIE fighters patrolling? Like, what's the deal? Yep. He tells her there's an Imperial engineer from Coruscant coming which I thought, what? Who? Who? What's happening? What's going on? I need to know more about that. Uh, They're mapping the old trails for this guy, and Gorn is going to move the patrols south before their job. It's going to be like a day or so. He's going to move all of the patrols to go way further south, try to get some TIE fighters to stay away from them and stuff. Clearly, I would say Gorn is, I don't know, someone in charge of like a large portion of whatever the operation at the armory is because I feel like if he has the ability to change an entire patrol of TIE fighters, you gotta have some sort of higher-up authority. Yes.
0: So while this is going on, uh, Mon Mothma, she's arrived home with her husband's gift. Now, if you're expecting a lovely, happy marriage you are wrong. These two seem like they fucking hate each other.
1: This guy's an asshole. He
0: is a dick. He, she, she walks in on him, like, setting up for company. And it, it seems to me like this might be, he must like a house husband situation, because he doesn't seem like he, uh, he, he doesn't give off the impression that he works, because he's just talking about like, oh, you've, you know, you're ruining my plans and all my arrangements. And he, she walks in and he's like, hey, wait, you didn't tell me we were having company. He's like, I absolutely did. I told you last month. She's like, no, you didn't. And she's who's coming over? And it turns out he invited politicians to dinner who fucking hate her. Yep. Because all they do is try to undo all the good stuff that she's doing. She's, a, you know, she's in the Imperial Senate, but she still has some measure of power. So she's trying to do the good where she can. And these people just keep stopping. And her husband just fires back, well, yeah, well, at least they're fun. You're boring. He, yeah, the argument. This is a bad
1: argument. I'm just the guy's. He's
0: not nice. And then she. And then he's. And then he's like, "I heard you brought a present for me," and she's like, "It's going back." I was like, "Wow, this is." Well, the other thing too is he. He does that thing where he's
1: just like, "Oh, I can cancel it if you want." Yeah. Like he's like he's like kind of obviously he is not happy with her having all this power cuz he's just like, you know, ooh, you're you're, you know, your senator. I I can I can cancel it if that's what you want. It's like this guy's a jerk, you know. Yeah. So now we're back in Aldani, and Vel is explaining the plan to the team again and going over it with Clem. Uh there's a really cool little model model figure of everything going on here which is really I like that. I thought that was great. Um and they explain that there are caverns underneath where a river used to be, before the empire dammed the river up. Nemec, who is the kid who was sleeping earlier, Nemec made the model kit and is very protective of this model kit and is like, "Ah, uh, no, no, Val, don't touch this. I will move this." And like, it, it's it's kind of cute. It, it, it was it his one the, job, and he's very proud kid. that he
0: got to do that job.
1: Yes, but it also shows how very young this kid is, because I think I think this is the youngest person on the team. Um. And it was just cute. I liked it. I thought it was cool. So the plan is that they're going to use a Rono freighter. It's, it's just a box freighter. And they're going to infiltrate this dam area, which is where the uh, armory and everything is. They're going to get this freighter. They're going to escape through the tunnels underneath the river. That is, that is dammed. So now it's, there's no more river. It's very It's like a stream now. Clem is kind of like, huh, what? I'm not convinced on this. There's TIE fighters. We're only going to make it a certain amount of, you know, way, and then we're going to get caught. And they're like, oh, we got about nine minutes of of headway. And he's like, yeah, those are TIE fighters, guys. Like, no, not going to happen. Vel explains that the, there are these old stones on the riverbed and they signify something. It's what's left of a temple that used to be in the middle of the river. And Gorn explains that every three years there's like a celestial event that occurs. It, it, he says it's like 50 meteor showers all at once, and uh, Nemec is like it's more of a massive crystal shower, and it just these these crystals fall and they explode in the sky. So the sky is not going to be utilized by Tie fighters. They can't. Uh, I thought it was also really cute how Nemec was just so into the the science behind it and was like correcting everybody on on this event and explaining it. And Gorn is like, I've seen this happen twice. I've been here almost seven years. It is fucking cool. Yep. Trust me. You will never forget it. So basically they're going to use this as uh, their escape uh, distraction and the sky is going to be just unusable. So they should be able to uh, have that, that headway and just continue to go. And so Clem is like, all right, fine, we could do it. I get you.
0: Yep. I think they, they've, they're like, he's like, okay, this could actually work, which is, you know, why they're there. Back on Coruscant, though, Major Partigaz walks in to hear both claims of jurisdiction uh, to Farrick's. He agrees that something may be going on, but unless there is concrete evidence, he will not act on a feeling and denies the jurisdiction change. He lets Blevin leave. He's like, hey, you, you stay here. You Blevin, get out of here. He says that even though Blevin can be a pain, he does get his work done, and you still have not s- sent me the reports you were supposed to. You know, you're supposed to be more. You're supposed to be competent and tucked away. He's impressed by her numbers, and she thinks she can do a good job. So he's like, he's he's putting her down, but he's still encouraging her. He's like, listen, you have the potential to be a good officer, but you gotta get the basics done first.
1: Yeah, he he's like, you know, you came from uh enforcement or whatever, and he's like, you know, here we don't act on a feeling, which I thought was really funny, yep. call out uh, like you know against you know security forces, cops, all that shit. I thought that was really funny. He's like, it's not about a feeling. Here we investigate with concrete evidence, and we don't act until we have that evidence. So, take your feeling bullshit, your your gut feelings, throw them away. We're not, we don't use that here. Now, the last sequence, what we see is the Aldani team just sitting around a fire, and they're just eating dinner. And Clem is given specs for a freighter, the whole garrison, uh, and even even a uh, a Aldani phrase book. So Clem's looking at all this shit like, uh, can I eat? Is that is that cool, guys? Like I'm just trying to eat dinner. And Vel's like, here's the deal: learn everything by morning. And yeah, you can eat, get your arm looked at real quick, and you need to learn all of this by the time you wake up he's just like sitting there. And he's looking around the fire and we get this really nice close up of him.
0: And then that's it.
1: I thought it was good. I liked that. I thought that was a great ending. I thought that ending shot was really cool.
0: I I would agree. All right guys, now that we've finished the recap, we're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsors and then we're going to jump right into it with our reactions and our thoughts for the future. Stay tuned. Okay, we are back. I uh, hope you enjoyed those ad breaks. I always do. Gives me a chance to drink some coffee. Uh, and now we get to talk about the episode. I think that this episode was great. I think that the setup for it was fantastic. I think that it felt a lot more... You said Game of thrones
1: Yeah. And yeah. I, I mean, I wonder why yeah. everybody's from Game of Thrones.
0: And then that, I think that's the feel they were going for, is that like you're, you're looking at yeah. the... The back, you know, the political intrigue and the, the backstabbing and the, the, the infighting of factions developing within the Empire. Yep. And I, yep. you know, that, that's what you're going to get. You know, it's not always going to be constant shoot ups you got to have some, some, some people to move the plot along as well. And I think that was executed really, really well. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I
1: noticed there were a lot more stories going on right now in this episode than last time. So I could see where some people, like why they could get confused as to what's going on. A lot on. of new characters have been thrown um,
0: at you and then thrown away yeah. too.
1: And I like, I liked that they did not show anyone from the previous episodes because Cassian left them behind, you know? So why should they be They're not relevant to the story, unless, exactly. Yeah, they're, they're not. Um, they're not on his radar and they're not on the story. That's not radar. to say
0: they're not cool characters because I like the characters we saw before, but like, oh yeah, you know, we don't need to see what's going on with the sergeant in the previous episode. Yeah, Brasso,
1: I, I will say I like Brasso a lot. I
0: want, oh, I, I do too, but like he right now he is not important to the story. He may be later, but yep. for now he's not.
1: Seeing Karn with Mom. No wonder he's the way he is. Yep. I'm beginning to see, you know, hmm, all right, makes sense. Now I'm also beginning to see a pattern as well. Um, the people in charge... Who are, or or like the more vetted people, right, in specific spaces, they already know what's going on or what is going to happen before it does, you know? Mm. Um, Karn's boss was like, here's how that situation went. Don't do anything because then XYZ will happen. And Karn didn't listen. XYZ did happen as well as what had happened was what he said had happened. So that, you know, that whole thing. How many times can I say happy? I was just saying. Uh, <laughs> but also, if you look at um, uh, Luthien, right? Luthien said, here's what's going on in, in our current situation. You know, when he was trying to buy the box, he was correct. He knew what was happening. Now talking to Vel, he knew what was going to happen in the conversation, and he guided that conversation. So these people who are more vetted in experience... Uh, definitely it definitely shows they they have this ability of it, it, it seems like clairvoyance but it's not they just they just know because they they've been through a lot of these situations already
0: yeah I mean that's absolutely right
1: but uh back to again Karn getting slapped by his mom is that that was just fucking hilarious
0: <laughs> you really hate Karn I love that
1: dude's a jerk like i said he's the guy in class with one minute before the bell uh do we have homework like oh mm, uh, like that kind of guy makes me just
0: yep mm. i think uh the last thing i'll say about the for the recap is i just think this episode uh it 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 didn't answer the questions. maybe some of the questions we had from previous episodes but like it's setting up for what's going to come in the future, which I like. You know, it's it's leaving you yeah. wanting more, which is exactly what you want for an episode like this.
1: Yeah. And and I liked the fact, you know, like you said, like it barely answered questions. We got a couple, like with Luthan's backstory, like we kind of got like something there. We know a little bit more about him, but... You know, we don't we don't know enough. I mean, obviously we knew what was going to happen with that box. That was kind of a given that box was going to be found and then like the Imperials were going to show up. You know, like that was kind of a given, which I liked that. But like it was predictable but not too predictable.
0: And now that we've talked about that, I think it's time for us to get into some of the character quotes.
1: All right. Now, there are a couple of quotes here. Some of them are just badass quotes that I thought were really fucking cool. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I don't know. I just was like, that's cool. Uh, but they definitely have a meaning, um, or a theme to what's going on.
0: Which the first one that you have written down here was, uh, isn't it all the same? And I, I love that because it's talking about like all at the time they were talking about like all the different pockets of resistance, which would eventually form the rebel Alliance. They're all just scattered now, but they will come together to form a rebellion sooner than later. Yeah, I liked
1: that. I thought, you know, they're talking about all these people, but they all have the same goal. They want to take out the Empire. Yep. And I thought it was funny the way he said it, too. He's just like, what? Like, they're all the same, right? Like, who cares? Like, whatever. And and and, and I, just, I don't know. I, I felt like that was really, really funny, but also just overall, like, it doesn't fucking matter what we call ourselves as long as we all have the same goal.
0: Absolutely. The next quote I thought
1: was kind of weird, though, um, because it was from Cassian and it kind of felt like he changed his tone. Um, He said, it's better to live, eat, sleep, do what you want, you know, And when he's like offered to like fight the Empire. And I thought that was interesting because Luthen calls him out and is like, hey, when you were a kid and you escaped, you know, you got out of prison and then you went into this battle and they had you all fight each other and you didn't realize it and all this other shit. The only reason you survived is because you ran. And I think that that's interesting to to view Cassie and how we do now because we see him as like, oh, man, look at him. He's kicking ass. He's fighting. He's, you know, sneaking around. But like, if you actually look at the last three episodes, he didn't really do much fighting. He did a lot of duck and cover and sneaky hiding. The only time we saw him like actually fight was in the first scene where he kills the two guards. Um, he doesn't really fight even in that f- abandoned factory. He is kind of, you know, trying to get out. You know, he's trying to escape. I mean,
0: I wouldn't, I wouldn't say he's not, not, not fighting. I mean, he definitely was fighting. I agree. I,
1: I, I, I agree, but I think it's more like fighting to run away rather than fighting to win the battle.
0: Self preservation is what you're saying.
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay, I can agree with that. Yeah. So, like, I just, I don't know, I found that quote to be interesting uh, just because it's it it felt almost complete opposite to the character. But then when you think about it, it's like, actually, that is kind of what he is. You know, he just wants to live. He just wants to hang out. Now, the next quote I was definitely a fan of. Uh, it's Luther. And it's the reason I got this is it's just another badass Luthien quote. He says, "I imagine your hate. I imagine no matter what you tell me or what you tell yourself, you'll ultimately die fighting these bastards." Well, spoiler alert. Are you
0: there? Oh, up here. I was. I, I was waiting for the spoiler alert.
1: <laughs> that okay? All right. <laughs> You're a funny guy. But yeah, no. Uh, I just thought, you know, yet again, uh, Luthen sees the future.
0: Yeah, I, I do like. I love that idea. was like, you know, foreshadowing.
1: Now, the next quote is something that I think a lot of us, even in the real world here, can definitely, uh, I think we can definitely relate to this one. It's Luther, and it's Luther in his shop talking to the senator. And what he says is, it's hard being surrounded by this much history and not be humbled by the insignificance of our daily anxieties. Woof, yeah, that's pretty good. Talk about like, God, stab me in the heart here, jeez, um it's a great quote, you know, everything's going to shit, but like everything was always going to shit, or you know it's just it just it's it's just really cool to hear something like that, I think, just for me in general, and I'm like Star Wars aside, I think that's a really good quote, like just to like it was a message about, to
0: Star Wars uh, fans not to take things too seriously.
1: That too, um, but yeah, just you know, he's surrounded by all this stuff, this these these artifacts of war, these artifacts of great importance, of really cool events and all this other shit, and he's just like, you know, all your daily shit, you know, like get humbled, man. Like this stuff, you know, you th- you think you got it bad? Oh, y- you know, look at these guys, they they died doing this, and they did the X Y Z like you know, chill with your anxieties there. Which, I don't know, it was like a nice reality check.
0: The last one we have, and I I like this one. This one was probably my favorite. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, Security is an illusion. You want security? Call the Navy. Launch a regiment of troopers. We are healthcare providers. We treat sickness. We identify symptoms. We locate germs, whether they arise from within or have come from outside. The longer we wait to identify a disorder, the harder it is to treat the disease. I love that quote so much because this is a guy who takes a clinical approach to the security bureau. This is not someone who works on facts of, of feeling. He works on facts of fact. You know, let's, let's take this as an analytical equation. You know, how, what percentage of money do I need to funnel into this sector to shut down this rebel operation?
1: Yeah, this is this so this is part of Gaz. When I saw it, it was, you know, those pockets of fermentation again, just like, you know, uh the sergeant said, uh the rebels, you know, the rebels are a disease. And and obviously they are beneath us and they are germs to us and I don't know, they need some humbling here, you know, like the ego is just so big. Look at their ships, look at their empires reach. Like they got a big ego. So it only adds to again that that equation and and thought process of these people can't really fathom any uh infiltration or or any, you know, real threat to their empire, you know?
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. So, I mean
1: I overall I I'm curious about your questions if you had any for this uh episode honestly
0: i think you the the questions you wrote down are basically the ones that i had as well like i want to know more about Luthen. his character is so interesting i want to know like why does he hate the empire you know everybody has their own motivations maybe he was friends with a jedi who was murdered and that's where he got the crystal from maybe he was a jedi Mm -hmm. himself i don't like that theory but i've heard it said Yep. Which I mean that would maybe explain his Black Ops training. <laughs> you know. Because I don't I don't know how it, else an antique dealer would know how to fucking set charges.
1: Yeah, right. <laughs> I th- th- he's captivated me so much. I I just want to know more about him. Um and also, this is gonna sound weird, but I know we talked about it in in uh Kenobi and stuff, even in, in the Halo stuff too when we when we did that. Like I wanna know about these special effects now. This this little uh crystal meteor shower, I wanna know what this looks like. I, I'm it's gonna be hyped it up a little it's bit. It's gonna be me.
0: interesting because uh a lot of Andor sets are practical. I know uh for Mandalorian and Book of Boba, they were touting that uh 3D virtual green screen technology that they have, the smart screen. Yep. yep. Wait. Are you
1: telling me they're gonna actually have explosions in the sky now.
0: N- i don't think factual explosions but it might be mixed in with some practical effects on the ground which i think is going to be really freaking
1: cool i don't know i, w- I want to know about how people like the audience feel about this episode compared to the last three because there's a lot more going on now than the previous episodes and it definitely has that drama feel over like you said like the action shoot 'em ups so i'm very curious about like you guys you know like I, again email us cuz i want to know i'm really curious as to what the uh o- the overall audience feel is on this episode comparative to the i, I encapsulated almost enclosed first 3 episodes cuz the first 3 episodes were so stuck together as like you know that mini movie or that you know three episode uh, three three episodic you know mini series so that's kind of how it felt to me so i'm very curious as to how people felt Versus
0: the theme of this episode, absolutely. Which it's gonna be, it's gonna be interesting to see where it goes in the future. I seem like I say that a lot.
1: Yeah, I, 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 I mean, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that because it is so different. I mean, Rogue One was so different compared to the other movies.
0: That's very um, true.
1: And I think this show is already so different comparative to these. Um, Other shows out there. There's no mystic shit going on. There's no Jedi at the moment. There's none of that shit. It's just, you know, these regular people. So, overall thoughts.
0: Yes. Give me yours. Um, What do you think? Overall, I like the episode. I think uh, it's a setup episode. I think we're going to get into the, the watching the factions play against each other as this goes on. I don't think this is the last we'll see of Karn. I think he'll probably work his way back in there somehow. Although that would be a bold choice of them to just remove him and not see him again, like some of the other characters. Which you know, you know, that would be kind of weird. But but also it would symbolize, you know, that he was just another cog in the imperial machine, like that he actually wasn't worth much in the end. Hmm.
1: Or what if he joins the rebels and says he wants to infiltrate them, and that he is now an imperial
0: spy? That might be be playing 4D chess, my friend. I agree. I don't think that's going
1: to (laughs) happen. I don't think he has the capability to uh, he can No, he can't even talk to guys on
0: his side. Imagine trying to talk to the enemy.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Overall, I thought this was a different pace than the last episodes, like I said. But I'm invested. I'm invested in these characters. I want to see their backstories. You know, who were they before the Imperial takeover? It looks like because there are so many factions not brought together, I would like to see how these people play a role uh, in becoming like the formal group that would be known as the Rebel Alliance. I would definitely like to see how everybody interacts. Um, Obviously, this episode, I I said it earlier, and now I'm finally going to talk about it. Obviously, this episode has an emphasis on the themes of like having secrets and deception, right? Yes. We see so many characters change their name, act differently. You know, Luthan is completely different. He's a completely different person. We have the Senator who's completely different with him comparative to her everyday life, her shitty husband. Uh, also husbando, because I don't know what the fuck was going on with that dude's outfit and hair. Oh, wow. (laughs) Um, that was weird. Um, her house was beautiful by the way. Uh, Art Deco meets, like, um, Japanese. Meets the future. Was... Fuck, it was... That, now that... I wish. I wish I could afford it. Maybe my my wife will uh, sugar mama a new house for me. We'll see. Um, but, yeah, I overall, you know, Clem. The fuck, Clem? Why? Why? Wait, that name is weird. But, anyway, uh, everybody was deceiving each other. I don't think they are gonna do that forever i think it might change amongst the characters uh when the rebel groups merge become more cemented together you know what i mean um and i think like you'll have less deception within them but more like throughout the imperial army and stuff like they'll try to infiltrate and stuff obviously that's a big deal uh but overall yeah i i loved it i thought it was great
0: And with that, we hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, please take a second to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. It really helps us grow the show. And be sure to connect with us on Twitch, Instagram, and Twitter at lore underscore party. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.